Indoor cycling, Zwift, racing, parenting. We cover those and all of our hopes and dreams in between. Welcome to the Talk Dirty to Me podcast, an entertaining look into the lives of everyday people trying to achieve virtual cycling glory from our basements and garages from around the world. This podcast is rooted in Zwift and has evolved into found friendships, fitness, health, and a little sprinkle of humor. This may be one of the only podcasts where a little heavy breathing shouldn't scare you away because we're riding our bikes while we're recording it. Hello, everybody. We're back. Another week has gone by. I know it's probably, it seems like it's drug on, but it has for me. Sully's back this week. We're, we're also greeted by our friend from across the pond. The, the, let me say this, you have the prestige of being the first English gentleman on the podcast. So that's, congratulations, uh, everybody. Neil Greenwood. That's dangerous, is that? Welcome, Neil. Hello. Yeah. Right, but well, as uh, it started, uh, started to freeze as... Uh, as you started talking, but yeah, calling me an English gentleman is a uh, is a strange, uh, <laughs> is it a stretch, dangerous title. Yes, slightly. I mean, well, I mean, who else could, is there that could fit in it? Like Neil Tucker. I'm not convinced that's, that fits him either. So, uh. <laughs> but see, the other Neil, the other English Neil, has not been on the podcast, so yet. And you, just for your own benefit, you may notice that it freezes a little bit, but it'll keep going. So don't pay too too much attention. Okay. You just keep talking, buddy. We'll keep listening. Yeah, okay. I mean, it's a, uh, I'll get this in quickly. Wind Keith Miller up early. It's, a, it's an honor to be here, and that's honor spelt with a U. So, uh, <laughs> just so we're clear going forward. Are you going to spell everything out for us? No. Oh, you should. You might need a, you might need a decoder ring uh, when, when I start talking about ZRL rather than your ZRL if we get to that. But, uh, but no. We're used to it from the Canadians, too. They say Z. Anyway, so Neil, it's going to be hard for me to not call you Woody, but I'm going to do my best. Well, I had the, um, when it says put your name in for the, uh, I put Neil Greenwood in and I thought, yeah. And then about 20 seconds after I put it in, I'm like, that's not, that's not my cycling name. Right. It's, uh, it's like, it's like that bit, uh, and now need to apologize to Steve. We're going to start talking about uh, Marvel films far too early. This, uh, <laughs> but when, uh, it's all Marvel all when, the time. Yeah, when, when Spider-Man and Doctor Strange are talking and he introduces himself, oh, we're using our made-up names, are yeah, we? Right, yeah, right. that's me, that's Woody. I'm Spider-Man. I'm Doctor Strange. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about yourself, Neil. Where are you from? Where you grew up? What oh, you do? That sort of right, stuff. Right, yeah. You said... Uh, said you were going to ask hard hitting questions. I didn't know we were going to start with that straight away. But yeah, um, Neil, I live in West Yorkshire, England with my uh, soulmate Chrissy and her son, my stepson Callum. I'm about 15 kilometers from the start of the uh, York, uh, the Yorkshire circuit in, uh, in Zwift. So, which makes it even more embarrassing that I've only ridden it once in real life. <laughs> Um, I'm going to be 40 this year, which is uh, a minor miracle all in itself. Congratulations. Um, thank you. I'm not sure it feels like something to be contracted. Well, <laughs> it will once you get Physically, there. I'm not sure it's something. Yeah. And um, 
I I work for the NHS. I work. I'm called an operating department practitioner. And if you've never heard of it, that's fine because most people in this country have never heard of it. Uh, it's basically work alongside a doctor, either a surgeon and scrub up at the table or an anaesthetist and assist with pain relief. And that puts me on the maternity department at hospital and basically assist with epidural and pain relief support for pregnant women or maintain the theatre environment. So if they need to come for a operation for their benefit or the baby's benefit, then uh, we're ready to go. Now for, for our American listeners, NHS is National Health Service, is that right? Yes, that is correct. And I'm a, basically, uh, Bob. And from what I'm hearing you describe to me, in the U.S. sounds a lot like a PA or a physician's assistant. Yeah, I mean, because you have our anesthetist is your anesthesiologist, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, we have and a separate they, path for anesthesia. It's called CRNA or Certified Nurse Anesthetist. And there's loads of, like, basically couples that are doctors. One's an anesthetist, one's not. And this, they reckon that our, our job's akin to uh, just standing there with a the sponge to mop the brow of the anesthetist as they do all the work and you're like yeah that's uh, that's basically what we do you pad the ego <laughs> yeah or save them from themselves basically right. like because uh, we, we can't administer medication we can't actually we're not a medical professional as it were but we we've seen enough to go it's like if your ODP asks you do you really want to do that? Or are you really happy with that set of observations? Then there's kind of an indication that you might want to do something about it. <laughs> I've heard that once or twice. Now, Neil is also uh, very into pro cycling and has a blog about it, which, yeah, tell us about the blog. So, writing, I. It kind of started, I've been writing for, when Sully brought up, like, talk about how you got into writing, I was like, I've not, I can't remember a time in my life when I wasn't writing. And it seems to be the, the blog seems to be the kind of natural progression of that. It, but it's, it used to be fiction and it used to be kind of a, an escape from real life. And there's more now with the blog. It's a focus on like the structure. Like, I mean, I don't, I don't fit to the structure. I don't get all the, the, the articles out when they're supposed to be out for the races <laughs> that they're supposed to cover. But it's like, yeah, that race happens then, so the preview needs to be then. And kind of builds a, a platform to keep me focused. And, and I just love writing about, well, one, I love writing, and two, I love pro cycling. So it kind of works well for them to mesh together. But yeah, it's basically, there's some some stuff about me, about my rides and my weekly. There's some stuff about computer games that I play because I used to write a lot of fan fiction for various games that I played and I kind of missed that even though the blog takes up a lot of the writing time. And then kind of the key focus is the pro cycling, kind of just write about what is going on and give a... It's a translation, but uh, uh, my perspective on the races, and because I came to pro cycling 
before I came to, well, I say definitely Zwift, but I was cycling on and off outside, but I definitely increased it the more I got into pro cycling. And it kind of amazed me, like when we, because the pro cycling channel came out of us basically cluttering up the general chat with too much talk about the Tour de France. <laughs> and it amazed me that there were people so passionate and so into riding inside that knew not very much about pro cycling. And I'm like, it's been around forever. It's, it can't, yeah. It, it, and it, it was just a case of, yeah. It, it, and it just opened up the fact that there are different journeys to get to the same yeah. place. Like, I know my favorite parts of reading your blog are usually your recaps of your own races because it gives us like perspective into what you're thinking. And I think yep. at least from my own reading it, like you're, you're very willing to be like vulnerable in your writing. And that to me is like a, amazing because, you know, everybody can say like, yeah, I failed here or I didn't do what I wanted to do here. But you keep doing it, right? Yeah, I mean, your it was your goals episode, wasn't it? That I think you talked about the positive um, power of failure. That failure is not the end. Yeah, it's a lesson. If you don't want it to yeah. be the end, yeah. And it, it definitely took me a large portion of my life to learn that lesson. For me, I mean, an adage I stuck to like success is fleeting, failure is permanent kind of that I can't, couldn't get past my, not necessarily on the bike, but failures and shortcomings earlier in life and being able to, I think that why pro cycling and me cycling in general has stuck with me and become a passion is because it's, it's all about suffering and overcoming suffering and being willing to fail and go again. Absolutely. And from a professional point of view, I don't think there's a, there's a, it's unique. I don't think there's a sport like it. Nope. There's, that it's, yeah, it's a team, but it's a team sport, but most of the major prizes are for individuals. And even though I say you wrapped up within a team, if you don't have it on any given day, you're only ever racing against yourself. Yeah. And I think, you know, as far as like the Zwift aspect of it, you know, if you don't perform well enough in your own mind on a race, you know, there's a, there's a race an hour later or the next day or, you know, whenever you want to do it. But yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely improved. It's been a both eat dirt. I mean, I wouldn't be, uh, I never expected to be here talking about myself. I mean, I've talked about myself in like therapy groups and things before, but not knowing that it was being recorded and to be watched by a, a group of my peers. By dozens of people. And Well, I know my my, uh, my stepson says he's going to watch it. Is he so going to call me a hipster that's at least again? one view I'm going to get. Yeah, potentially. Callum is his name? Cal yeah, Callum's Callum. his name. I'm, I'm watching you, buddy. All right. Yeah. I mean, uh, what did he, when we had that Keith Miller, uh, be mean to Keith, and I tried to call the dog, and the dog wasn't playing. So I then went to uh, went to Callum, 
I said, say something mean about Keith. And his first like facial response was, what on earth are you doing to me now? And then his second, and then I said it again, say something mean about Keith. And he just, he just performed. He just said, Keith, you're inadequate. And I'm like, that, that's perfect. That's... There's nothing more painful than being heard that you are inadequate yeah. in a British accent yeah. to me. Exactly. That's it. That's, that's the stinger right there. <laughs> But yeah, seriously, without the, I've never known as much as you, cycling and pro cycling is a unique sport. I think. There we go. Eat dirt is a unique and special place. Just the there's the banter and ribbing that like tortured me through secondary school and. But it, you just somehow just know it comes from a, a place of love and that people are there to support you more than anything else. And it just, if you're not okay one day, people are going to support you, not just on the bike, but off the bike. And yeah, it, I wouldn't be the person I am today or where I am today without it. We're happy you're here. Yeah. Even if it feels you, weird. How did you come to be a part of Ether? How did you find it? I would say you're happy that my, uh, as we said earlier and before we started, my, uh, at this current moment, my taint's not happy that I'm here. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yes, uh, generally, uh, um, I was looking around because I came, I was cycling outside. I, and I was fed up of paying for a gym membership in the winter to then ride my bike in the summer. And I'm like, if I got a trainer, because I'd heard of Zwift for ages, I thought if I get a trainer, I'm kind of rationally out to myself that if I use the trainer for X number of years, then I'm basically paying this gym membership. And before that, I was playing a lot of, again, hiding away from reality, playing online computer games. And I knew that, well, if I'm going to ride inside, I want to find a team, I want to find a, a group. So I had a look around and... There was a Zwift Insider article about teamwork in Zwift races and dirt and eat dirt in general was highlighted for the way that they raced. And I'm like, well, again, drawing comparisons to pro racing, it's like riding as a team rather than just riding as a bunch of it and working as a team rather than riding as a bunch of individuals. Yeah, sounds perfect to me. Looked up the acronym. I'm like, crap, I'm not a dad. Oh, hang on a minute. I've got a stepson. I'm a stepdad. Right, let's send a, send an email. So I sent a, I got in touch with Sterney and Sterney hooked me up with Sully. And I think two days after, two days after that, I was doing a team time trial and I like, this might not have been what I signed up for, but it, uh, but it, it just reinforced the experience that, because I was shocking in that. I think I've told the story on the blog and, on Discord that I lasted five minutes in the pace line of that first team time trial. And I thought, that's it. You've blown your chance coming from, um, say, online computer games where if you're not good enough, they'll find somebody else. And again, that just inclusive nature of, uh, I think specifically, Mike McCandless like, messaged me on Discord after and said, we've all been there. It's a process. Just keep going. Yeah. And one day you'll be the person saying to somebody else that's had a bad day, just keep keep turning yeah. it around. It's a good word. And 
I will admit, I hid away from team time trials for a good four or five months before <laughs> I had the like mental fortitude to put myself forward for it again. But I hung around the server and kind of, I still have good days, still have bad days. There are days where I like read the conversations. I'm like, no, I, I don't have the, the capacity to, to get involved in those conversations or don't want to on other days. I'm speaking far too much. I think those conversations that you're alluding to tend to stay in a couple different channels now. So they're not as permeated throughout the, the, the server, if you will. Yeah, everything gets, uh, everything eventually finds its place. Right kind of set, settles where it needs to uh, needs to be. Sully may uh, razz me for making channels. If my only contribution was making the Miller channel, just more of like a, a trap, you know, like the Ghostbusters trap that they throw out there <laughs> yeah, and yeah. all the things get sucked in. That's what that is to me. Was that a double, uh, double ploy plan with the turning the general chat into slow mode so that he can't uh, speak as fast <laughs> as he wants. That one was all uh, which he can't hear us right now. He'll no, never know because he won't watch us either. Oh, look, he's back. <gasps> he's back, right. That's it. Say nice things about him. Mike, it was, Mike, but yeah, it was Michael. Always Michael. <laughs> it's always a Michael. Well, that's it in that um, I remember they're on the blog first season in ZRL. I mean, me and Dodd rode together. I don't know where we were. We on the were, same yeah, team. toward the end of it. All the time. Yeah, and I uh, yeah. I think I gave you one of your most traumatic experiences on the uh, on the bike when uh, my chain dropped on uh, was it Twenty Third Street and my headset was on the floor next to it and. Uh, yeah, I, I vaguely remember. Yes. You and I were. I don't know if we were trying to catch or if we were in the group, and then you just like disappeared. I was like, where's Neil? Where's Neil? And then all I hear is like a bunch of cling clanging around and a few <laughs> choice words. Yep. But yeah. And then I also, from the same season, I, uh, I, I take credit for this whole thing, for the, uh, the, the podcast. Cause I think, uh, do you not read my, the liner uh, notes? My we nickname gave you for credit. Is it not, is not on the no, English no, version? I have not, I've not, to look uh, into that. I don't think so. No. You need to put translation subtitles in, but um, but yeah, because um, the first time we rode together, I didn't even know your first name. You were on my call sheet for the time trial. You were just well, I probably didn't have a microphone then, either, right? When, I was typing. Well, that was it because you, then your nick your nickname became Mike without a mic. It's true, <laughs> it is true. And then uh, I think I, I obviously touched a nerve with that mic with that nickname because. Uh, here we are with the uh, the biggest, uh, most professional microphone you could get your hands on. And, uh, I'm, I'm, com I'm compensating. For those days when he had no mic. Yeah. We had no mic. Yeah, that's Keith it. Keith Miller's going to have a field day with that one, by the way. Me saying I'm compensating. Yeah. You're well, welcome, not to Keith. start, but you're the way you're tenderly caressing your uh, cold, cold hard steel. <laughs> She's pretty. <laughs> so... Do you have a, when it comes to pro cycling, because as I just said, I don't watch it. I respect it for what it is. I think they're tremendous athletes. Do you have a team that you like? It's like your team. Uh, I would say that 
the impact Team Sky had on like bringing pro cycling and cycling in general to the UK when they were a dominant. I always have a, and they were kind of the, the first successful British team. So, and in that regard, Ineos, I'd say is a, but again, one of the beautiful things about cycling is that because the races are so different. So you've got Grand Tours, you've got week that lasts for three weeks, you've got stage races that last anywhere between like the Basque Country is six days today, Paris-Nice is this week rather, Paris-Nice is eight days. And then you have one-off events like the Spring Classics that we're going through at the minute and different different teams and different riders are good and come to the fore in different events. So as much as, yeah, I probably want Ineos to do well in any Grand Tour, the way that Quickstep go in um, Spring Classics and now that Peter Sagan, who's one of my favourite riders of all times at Total Energy, he was kind of pay attention to different teams on different days and different riders. So Sagan is your, your guy? Yeah, just that anybody that kind of breaks the... Because he's a, he competes and he's he wins... Well, he's, I think he's got seven green jersey competitions, which is the, the de facto points and sprinter competition in the Tour de France. So, but he isn't a, he's not a Mark Cavendish, he's not a Sam Bennett, he's not an archetype sprinter, and he's never had a team built around him to help him. He's always had to kind of pick a wheel, pick, find his wheel, pick a wheel in the, at least in his heyday. The last couple of years at Bora, he did put the team to work for him, kind of thing, but it was kind of, even more impressive that he was as successful as he was. So he's your your classic without... underdog, is what you're saying, huh? <laughs> no, because he's no, I wouldn't. He's he's immensely yeah. talented, he, to the point where, like a, I'd say, a Wout van Aert now that if he's in a group with the if he's in a group at the sharp end of the race, everybody's looking at him, and saying he's the guy to watch. He's the guy that can win. So we're going to make him do all the work. We're not going to pull for him. We're not going to just let him sit in and and not do anything. And he'd win regardless. So he'd have. So Neil, what, I guess what might help Dot or help some people that maybe aren't familiar, you know, in yep. cycling, there tends to be different categories of racers, sprinters, climbers. Could you explain some of the yep. categories? Yeah. So. You've got an archetype sprinter like Cavendish or uh, Mark Cavendish, Sam Bennett. Um, basically, they they sit in the wheels the entire race and come to any on a one-day race or a, a sprinter stage. Their team deposits them near the finish. So, so their team out. protects them for the whole race. Yep, if you, or for the whole tour, yeah. if it's a grand tour, if basically that on a mountain stage where they have to get in before, because there's a time limit that you have to finish the stage on right. to be able to ride the next day. So they sit in the draft where they don't have to do as much work. Yes, 
and and then they put out immense watts in the last 500 400 meters of the stage to 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 power to compete between themselves so their team deposits them within a set distance of the line and they smash it from there obviously a climber the complete opposite they'll they well not the complete opposite they'll sit in the wheels on the flat but they're very much they're either deployed as a team rider to ride tempo on the front of the group and break up the group and get rid of riders that can't when when they're on drive big at hills. that pace on big hills or if they're a solo climber going for like the, a KOM either or a, or a uphill finish then it's basically they set a pace that they can give them the best chance to go as fast as they can uphill Sagan kind of sits between the two yeah he he can climb really it better than like Michael Matthews and Sonic Obrelli the kind of they won't win easily on a flat sprint because they don't they're heavier they don't have the sheer power right. but if you put them on a slight uphill sprint finish then they they suddenly are able to come good compared to sprinters that only can go on the flat and that also kind of gives them the advantage that again in the Grand Tour where it's the end result is a culmination of all 21 days of racing. Sagan used to get into breakaways to go get intermediate sprint points that other sprinters just didn't have the reach to go and get. And he kind of transformed the yeah. the competition. So yeah, so what made the green jersey was over. Yeah. Go on. I was gonna say so Dad, what made him unique was that he would be there when a lot of other sprinters uh, were <laughs> were back in their gruppetto. Riding Z2, hanging out with their teams. Couldn't. And, uh, you know, Couldn't be there. he'd be launching breakaways yeah. and, you know, probably mo yeah. mo and on top of that, most famously the world championships here in the U.S., right? No. Well, he, well, that was his, I think that was his first, but he won, that was his first of three world championships in a row. Yeah. He won Richmond. He won, I can't remember, but he do basically. You, do you again, remember he was, how he, he won a, Richmond? Like what? What kind of attack it was? Richmond was the last go up 23rd Street. And he just came out of the draft of the group he was in and went. Yeah. And nobody could catch him. How about They were thinking, oh, this is this is going to go to the line. And he were like, no. So he went up 23rd. But how far out Down the that? flat. Uh, probably two, three kilometers, maybe yeah. somewhere between that. And he just, everyone were like, well, yeah, he's putting in an attack. He's giving it a go. And again, as, as good as, as good as it, it, he was, nobody, the commentators were like, well, yeah, he's giving it a chance, but he's not going to win. And then he just, nobody pulled him back to the point where he could have, he just basically, he had time to sit up and <laughs> celebrate coming to the line. In a normal sprinter, you know they're only going three to five hundred meters. This guy's attacking from three k out, so he was just kind of a yeah. and then, unique phenomenon. Yeah, he's he's next to. He was one of the few sprinters that realised there was going to be a like the rate the second world championships out in the in the desert in Dubai. There was a a dra dramatic cha drastic change of direction, 
and the Belgian team knew and the British team knew that basically the crosswinds were going to tear the race to bits. And not only did Sagan, he left it too late, really. He, he thought, right, the group's made, the, the group's getting away in the crosswind. And then he just wrote, he just rides across on his own, goes, yeah, I'm coming with you. Huh. And then it was down between him, Cavendish and another couple of sprinters because there were only about 20, 25 riders left because of the crosswinds. And again, he just powered to the to the finish. So, Neil, if you had never followed cycling, would you pick a team to support or a rider? Like, where would you start? Because I think a lot of our people have never followed pro cycling. We're here in the U.S. Like, maybe they just went through the Lance Armstrong era, which uh, has some yeah, parallels, yeah. Drew, to our Tiger Woods conversation yesterday. <laughs> but, you know, they just... <laughs> They don't know anybody yep. in the pro peloton. They may have turned on a tour stage at some point. What, what, where would you start? What do they need to know? Um, I mean, there's a good, there is now a good crop of American riders coming through. So if you want to start from the national, I mean, I think of it, is it Quinn Simmons yeah. is young and looks like he's doing some fantastic stuff. You've got, and he rides for Joe Dombrowski. Joe Dombrowski that did ride for UAE. Uh, he was, I mean, we were very unlucky. He was, he, he rode himself into the King of the Mountains jersey, I think on the, either the Giro or the Vuelta. Yeah. And then the next day he had to, he got, he got involved in a crash and ended up being uh, concussed. But so there are plenty of American riders for you to follow, but pick a team really that if you like one day classics, quick step, lotto, Belgian teams, if you like sprinters, Pick an individual rider, Cavendish, Caleb Ewing, cool. Sam Bennett. Cobrelli. Cobrelli, yeah. I mean, again, he, he's not a... I wouldn't say I mean, as daft as it is. Uh, him and, yeah, him and Michael Matthews, I'd say, uh, they are sprinters, but yeah, they're, again, they're slightly <laughs> close to scan than not. Or if you like Grand Tour racing, i.e. racing that unfolds over a longer period, then you're looking at... Tadej Pogacar, Primoz Roglic, any number of Ineos riders. That... Movistar. Maybe a little less so this yeah. year, but Movistar is always always a grand tour. Designed, they are, designed team well, anyway. I wouldn't call it designed, but uh, <laughs> yeah, they definitely turn up to grand tours. When you bring three... Uh, three team captains to a uh, to a grand tour and basically say whichever one of you is still standing after the end of week one that's the guy we're going to ride yeah. for it's not exactly a, uh... but they do have a um as a as a way into pro cycling they do have a is it a, i've never watched it they have a netflix yeah series least, so least expected day i think it was called now so it's just, team if, that also... if you haven't followed would would that be a good way to get involved drew like watching their Netflix or um, I said I've I've never watched it, but and I think it's I think it gives you an insight into one of the more so proper teams on the uh, on the uh, the circuit. There's always I mean in a grand tour, there's always something going on. There's always drama. Yeah. But so if you're, if you're trying just, to get maybe your significant other into pro cycling to join you, then yes, watching the Netflix series might be a a good yeah, way. To say, oh, do you rather watch than watching Netflix like a six to eight hour road race, right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly yes is that coming because, from personal uh, experience Ellie? is that mrs no mrs just, sully <laughs> wants to get into racing i've i've not tried 
<laughs> I mean, with regards to I can barely watching get her to watch it, my I mean, two-minute clips of my races. <laughs> she's a fan of the podcast. We know that. I mean, oh. I don't know if she's ever listened to the podcast. I sent her one of them. I sent her the Fremont. The Fremont she's one. What, you, you, you said she wa- she watches it without yeah. sound on, if I remember correctly. You said earlier in a different episode. So she can, she can hear me because she's next to me, but she can't hear y'all. Yo. So. That's right. <laughs> but, yeah, I would say that with the, if you like, the individual superstars, so Wu Van Aert, Van Der Poel, Roglic, Pogaccia, it's as, it's as popular as it's, if not more popular than it's ever been worldwide. And as much you get considerably more YouTube content than there ever has yeah. been. So if you just like, because yeah, as Sully pointed out, sitting down for a six hour marathon of, uh, <laughs> of a single race is, is, is not something everybody can do. And then if you're going to do a grand tour, it's three to six hours every day three for weeks. three weeks. And even I can't unfortunately dedicate that amount of time to watching cycling. So YouTube and the highlights Wasn't it, uh, are fantastic. It was Quick Step did like a YouTube behind the scenes of the Wolfpack, right? A couple of years ago. Yeah. That was yeah. a great, a great series. A lot of fun. But yeah, you get the, you get the exciting bits of the race. And then if it piques your interest, you're like, yeah, I want to see more of this. There are subscription services out there, depending where you live. But um, I would recommend if you're going to sit down and watch a race, not, not if if you miss something in the middle, that's important. It'd be in the highlights later on, but the fun bits are the beginning and more or less always the end, because there's a lot of there's a breakaway on every pretty much on every professional race ever. And the fight to get into that breakaway can be some of the most intense racing for the majority of the stage. That because sometimes it's just riders getting in a breakaway to get because the sponsors tell them they have to go. <laughs> you get a lot more talk, camera yeah, time in the break. Yeah, you get talked about, right? You get talked about. Your jerseys are on TV. Sponsorship, and that's for some of the yeah sponsorship. That's- some riders are in there for in a grand tour for KOM points and intermediate sprint points. But like the race that's coming up in a week or so's time, Paris-Roubaix, which is pretty one special and quite unique, they might teams might try to put riders in the breakaway to avoid all the potential. They're out of the way, they're up the road. They're not going to be involved likely in a in a crash or the, the scrum to get onto the cobbles. And then they can be called back to help out at the sharp end of the race. And if one team sees that another team's trying to put a rider in the breakaway, and they're like, no, we don't want that to happen. We have to ride and we have to ride now and we have to put the power down. And it's interesting, some of the clips and some of the things you've talked about on this podcast with regards to Zwift racing, the same things happen. I mean, I saw a, a, ages ago a, a ZRL and race, and there's a guy in the Premier League, and he's he's caught by the the, the peloton, caught by the the chasing pack about 200 meters from the line. He's gone solo, and other times they talk about you, Dodd, and your your pull to put Hannah in position for that 
climb. That's Drew. That's pure. Yeah, sorry, yeah, sorry, Drew. That's, that's, that's pure um, team team racing, and it's what the professional teams do. They have specific riders in the team for specific jobs, yeah. and the and the majority of riders that shut down breakaways every day aren't superstars, aren't household names, but they do one of the most important jobs. So if somebody wants to watch Roubaix, they want to just kind of like try out pro cycling, what do they need to know about the race? Uh, that it is the greatest single day sporting event in the history of the world. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's a small lead up. All in right. a, what, what makes it that? Yeah, yeah. In a world where they banned the Tour of Poland downhill descent sprint finish because it was too dangerous, they've banned the Super Tuck, they've banned all sorts of things because they're too dangerous. They still let riders ride on basically dirt tracks with stones dropped in the middle of them. They're not, it's not the Tour of Flanders where cars ride on these cobbled roads every day. It's basically dirt farmland with rocks dropped in the middle of them and the the entire if you like stupidity of the race can be summed up with the it's the trench of Arenberg. it's they had to extend it they had to widen it to make it three meters wide it basically because it's a downhill leading off the tarmac they're hitting it at 60 to 70 kilometers an hour straight onto cobbles and if they come off the cobbles, they are basically in primeval <laughs> forest on either side. Um, guy called, I'm going to ruin his last name, but John Mousseau, he had the nickname the Lion of Flanders. In 1998, he crashed on the trench and he got gangrene in his leg to the point where they thought they were going to have to amputate his leg. That was 98. In 2000, he came back and he won. And in 2002, he came back again and he won. And it's like... And then there's another guy that was at the front of the peloton. I can't remember what year and I can't remember his name. But he... Um, he was at the front going into the trench and he crashed. And Dodd, as a medical professional, can uh, fact check me on this. But he snapped his femur, which I think is the, it's the strongest but. It strongest is. bone in his butt in your body yeah the femur yeah and yeah he he snapped it and basically they still i think there's only been one year they've removed the trench because it was not safe but it's there and then there's a race in general yeah, that's only one of 31 sections of cobbles that the riders have to get over and just it's like a grand tour filtered down into one day that anything could happen. Um, another famous edition, 81, Bernardino, five-time Tour de France champion, last Frenchman to win the Tour de France. He crashed, he won in 81, but he crashed seven times on the way to win. The last, the last time, about 13 kilometers from the end, a dog, a stray dog ran out onto the track and knocked him off his bike. And you're like, what What on earth is going on? It's, which, again, just adds to the, in general, the beauty of cycling, that it's... 
unpredictability. There are so there are only so yeah, there are only so many cameras, so sometimes the action gets missed. There are dogs and pedestrians and stupid people with cardboard signs knocking yeah. people <laughs> over. Out the Peloton. Exactly, yeah. And it's just You gotta say hello to the grandparents, yep. that's all. That's the one. I yeah. bet grandma was proud. Gotta get on TV somehow. <laughs> well, what when she got arrested? Maybe. Probably. Who's to say that was her first time? Neil could have been second. Could have been but, third. Um, this is true. Yes, yeah, true. I think I've, I've especially recently become such a big fan of like the one day spring classics. I mean, what was it recently? Was it Milano San Remo? Was over two hundred kilometers with. It's Four always five different, it's you know, categorized, categorized climbs. You're talking yeah. a long day in the saddle. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's what it's. It's only ever. I think yeah, it's it's averages out to about 290 kilometers. It's the it's the longest, basically single day race. It's longer than the World Championships, which is notoriously yeah. long. Um, and yeah, like you said, that I always I wouldn't say belittle Milan San Remo, but it's basically. You could tune in for the last hour and not miss yeah. anything, but but yeah, you've got to think. Yeah, it's a sprint. It's a sprint finish. But like you say, you've got to get over all that distance and all that. Well, yeah, it's only a sprint finish for those who are there, right? right? The yeah. yeah. Yep. Exactly. And it's the again, it's the same with uh, with Roubaix that the first seventy odd kilometers or so, there's no cobbles. Yep. I won't say it's easy, but everybody knows the race starts when you get onto that first cobble yeah. section. And you can't, again, the adage, you can't lose the race on the first, on any one of the individual cobbled sections. But sorry, you can't win the race on any one yeah. cobble section, but you can lose it on any of them. You've got to be in the right position, miss all the stray dogs, <laughs> and cardboard sign. not have a mechanical. Yep. Exactly, yeah. Just. I mean, last year, just some of the crazy stuff. I mean, it was raining. It was in October because of the change schedule. But you've got all the talk of um, how treacherous these cobbles are. And there's there's video footage of a rider doing 40 kilometers an hour onto a fresh set of cobbles using his own Allen key to tighten up his his top top tube. And you're like, I can't even... I can't take my hands off the bars going downhill. I can't descend that well. And this guy's one-handed on slippy cobbles, just doing some bike maintenance. And then there was other, yeah. And then there's a guy that finished in the top ten who had a mechanical problem, and he's braking with the cleat off his shoe because his brakes don't work. He takes his foot out yeah. of his pedal and applies it to his front tire to slow himself down so he can turn, because. One big factor of Paris-Roubaix, because of the, the length of the cobbles and the narrowness of the roads, that if you get a puncture or a... You're pretty much on your own because your team car could be five, ten minutes behind you and you have to take a neutral service tyre yep. or you have to have some enthusiastic Belgian help you take your wheel off and try and fix it at the side yep. of the road and you just... Well, then um, the cobbled climbs here. I'd say, what is it, the the one from the uh, the Tour of Flanders last weekend was uh, the Copperberg. It averages 14%, yes. but maxes out at 21. 
on cobbles. 21, 22. So you're seeing these professional yeah, riders it. who've been doing this entire lives almost looking like they're ready to quit. <laughs> and just trudging up there at, you know, six, seven kilometers an hour. And you're like, oh, so they do hurt. <laughs> exactly. But, I mean, to look for what you want to look out for, it's, again, it's like if you think if you're putting power down on the front of any in any race in any group you're either riding to position your rider your team leader because there's a climb coming up or there's a set of cobbles coming up so if your te team's on the on mass at the front of the group then they're up for it they've got a plan and then as the race kind of attrition's out and there are less and less riders usually nobody wants to be on the front of a sure. of a group pulling and putting effort but in Roubaix, there's a you get to pick your own line across the yeah. cobbles. You're not getting the the dust and the muck from the people in front of yep. you. So it's it's just a complete different like dynamic. Yeah, you're getting less draft. You're getting more draft if you sat behind, but you're also getting all the mud and the crap, and you're getting less time to get yep. used to which angle do I want to take, which corner do I want to take. There's somebody falling in front of you and getting involved in a crash. Exactly. Oh, absolutely. I mean, the end, I wouldn't say it's anticlimactic because it's, uh, it's a sprint on a concrete velodrome, which is awesome in and of itself. But the last couple of sets of cobbles aren't the most challenging. So with a couple of kilometres to go, you'll see it revert back to... Because I think Sonic O'Brelli won last year because he basically didn't take a pull for the last <laughs> yeah. 10 kilometres. He just sat on Van Der Poel's wheel and said... Go on, your favourite. <laughs> Off you go. Yeah. And then um, Rick Thomas Vermersh, riding in his first ever Paris-Roubaix, and he finished third. And wow. you're like, <laughs> well, not just that, yeah, but poor guy. You, you're probably going to be more of a favourite and more of a rider in years to come and never yeah, come sure. this close. Yep. So, That's so, right. so, Neil, who would you be watching for in a couple of weeks? Like if somebody says, "Hey, I wanna, oh. I'm gonna watch. I need somebody to cheer for. Who are the favorites?" I would say Vanderpool. After I mean the form that he's in, having won on cobbles twice already, um, and coming second last year, has to be a a favorite. They're not um, out, right? Yeah, COVID. If he, I mean, yeah, if he if he comes back, which I don't think he will, but I mean. Going forward, not just in this race, but in any race, the two of them in there. That's so much fun to watch. Uh, so, because they, yeah, they've kind of ridden against each other their entire lives, and they are, they almost cancel each other out. Like if they're in a group together, one of them can't attack because if they attack, they're giving the advantage to the other one because they, they're that on the day, they're that yep. close, and. I don't really pay. I pay attention to the cycling. I don't particularly. I'm not bothered about the interviews and stuff after. But I think they, they don't really no. like each other. They kind of have a they kind of had a grudging respect for the other's talent, but they they're not friends. And it's it's a pretty awesome, yeah. like I say, dynamic. And any race they're in is better for them both being in it. Um. I'd look. I don't know what I don't know what the lineup is from Ineos, but they seem to have made. I mean, they had Johnny Moscon, who was 
until he had a, a puncture in the last like 30k That's last right. year. Looked is, good. And is he the most and hated they... man in cycling or <laughs> Johnny yeah. Moscon? No, I, th- I, th- I thought I read an article that Nicky Tapstra was the most hated man in cycling because is. he uh, he's a Belgian rider that even the Belgians don't uh, support. Okay. <laughs> I think it's because he he rides very he sits he sucks wheels basically. He doesn't. He takes advantage of the misfortune. Who would I've ever do he that? Takes advantage of the misfortune of others. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But he's not the he's not the swashbuckling, attacking, flamboyant Belgian rider that the Belgians want to get behind and cheer. He's the pragmatic, save my energy, exploit other people's weaknesses. He's British. So even when he won a classic, people thank you very much. That's, I'll take that. I'll take my compliments where I can get them. <laughs> But yeah, so whichever Ineos rider, I mean, Pidcock's the the cyclocross background, can ride over an even terrain. Alaphilippe came from cyclocross originally. Can you, can you tell people passing. what cyclocross is? Uh, in <laughs> essence, no, because it's not a discipline that uh, I'm very much road cycling and cyclocross to me. I wouldn't say it's like anathema, but... I never understand the, you're riding the bike, why are you going to get off the bike, push it uphill, or ride it on time? So it's like cyclocross with a bit of like uh, a Spartan race in the middle, except you have your bike with you. The gravel race meets obstacle course, meets road race, meets meets Rocky. (laughs) Rocky and stairs. Yeah, it's kind kind of a hybrid between... um, gravel off-road and like i say mud yep. and an obstacle course it's it's a very unique event that uh, i can't say i've uh, i follow particularly because you say all my cycling gets done on the bike i don't see the uh, the attraction of like you say jumping off the bike and uh, having a climb a set of stairs halfway through but it's been fascinating because like you said some of the best you know road cyclists in the world are now coming out of that discipline yep. definitely and it, I mean it's changing the like not even the I mean the whole talk of the, the whole professional road race scene is about them sorting out having only 18 teams for next year and it all basically boils down to Van der Poel he's such a huge cyclocross name originally and he doesn't want to yep. give that up and mountain biking as well right but because he's so he does all three. Yep, but because he's so because he's so successful on the road, whichever t- he's, he rides for Alpecin Phoenix, they're not a UCI team, but they're the third or fourth most successful team in the in the list. So they could. I don't know whether the UCI intends to force them to become a UCI team, but it's yeah the. The star power and the, if you like, the riders coming out of cyclocross and other disciplines is having a, a huge impact on the more traditional road yeah. racing. Well, and it's scene. it's fascinating the types of riders it's it's producing because, like you were saying about Sagan, not that they're uh, similar to him, except in that they can win in a lot of different scenarios. Yeah, and even being bigger. 
bigger I mean, riders, yeah. they can win a sprint. They can climb with some people they shouldn't be able to climb with at times. Well, so, I mean, the the thing that I the thing that's kind of, oh, I'd say inside riding and Zwift, and the the adage that what's a what's, that yeah, I wouldn't have until I saw him do it at Strada Bianchi last year, watching Vanderpool just drop yeah. riders, made them look like children on the gravel section, and then if you told me you've got a rider as heavy as heavy as Matteo van der Poel, and you've got Julian Alaphilippe, a basically consummate climber, going up the last climb towards the finish in Strada Bianchi. Which one of them's going to win? I wouldn't have necessarily bet my house on Alaphilippe, but van der Poel just destroyed him. Yep. Just literally rode away from him like yeah, he was standing like still. he wasn't important, like he wasn't. Yep. Yeah, like he wasn't the current yep. world champion. Well, and they add a bit of uh, flair and excitement to the race because I guess I would say there's kind of like, I don't know, in order of where there's like things that you're supposed to do and things that you're not supposed to do. And they do the things you're not supposed to do and then they win. It kind of just turns the sport on yeah, its head. I mean, I mean, yeah, some of the, I think the, again, back to Flanders this last weekend and Vanderpool and Pogaccia that I think I put on the blog that Pogaccia did everything he could to win that race and he just if Vanderpool hadn't have been there he'd have won it by a country mile but he literally could not get rid of him on that last climb and as much as that people might be scratching their head in that final sprint thinking what on earth's going on Pogaccia had lost 10 or so kilometers back down the road when he'd not been able to get rid of him. So what to, and so, he's so just what, sat what were there. the names again for for Perry Roubaix? Who who would you watch? Vanderpool? Vanderpool, Pidcock or whichever in your rider comes to the front. Uh, a whole host of Belgians, Philip Gilbert, if he's okay. riding. Uh, it's the kind of race where those workhorses that do all the work for Riders in um, in the rest of the races get to kind of come out. I mean, Sonny Cobrell yeah. won it last year, yeah. so him, Michael Matthews, if he's riding, and then any cobble specialists. Say if you see, yeah, I mean, I'd, he's. I mean, he's going to go because he's going to get an invite due to uh, total energies, but I don't see Sagan performing. He's won it once, and I'll still be rooting for him because. I've ruled him his entire career, and just because just because he's at the back end of his career doesn't mean you can suddenly just shrug your shoulders and say, "Yeah, I don't like you anymore." <laughs> but I think Roubaix, more than any race in the world, anything yeah. can happen. And just kind of look at if you tune in and see that like halfway through or when the cobbles start and see how the groups develop, just pick somebody in that and say, "That's my person. I think they're going to win." And you, just your heart broken, have your hope, your heart broken, <laughs> and yeah, and your nerves just because every yeah every cobbled set like I don't particularly like Sully said. Gianni Moscon's not the nicest guy. He's not the most celebrated cyclist, shall we say? But when he was at the front, I wanted him to win because I think there's something about like. 
Dodd were talking about Sagan and it was he an underdog. He wasn't, but if any time there's an underdog in a race, like you've got one guy out front and a pack of four people are trying to chase him down. To me, it doesn't matter who that one person is. Sure. You just want them to survive. You want them to get there. You want them to overcome. And yeah, just heartbreaking that one, he, cr- he crashed. He got back up from the crash and kept going. He had a slow puncture on his back wheel. And he still had time, but I think the chain of the argument is they changed his wheel back wheel for one with too high a pressure. And it was something as simple as that, that his rowing resistance wasn't what it was at the beginning of the race. And he just couldn't produce Sorry. the speed and the power to Man, I feel like overcome we could, those chases I feel like after him. You are a wealth of information when it comes to pro cycling. And I feel like, unfortunately, our hour, because Drew has to go to work, like normal person i guess ah yeah i definitely think we should <laughs> have you back whenever there's big events and big activities and i know oh, yeah. you you have more of your personal story to share I as would, well so yeah we'll have to do a part two yeah. i mean i uh actually yeah i a bit of a uh, uh personal motivation I thought yeah i'll try not talk about um, Grand Tour racing too much, and then you'll have you, you can talk about whatever the, uh, you want. The Tour de France of the Vuelta at the end of the year. We'll have you back. We'll do we'll do a tour, we'll do a tour episode because we'll probably do like a uh, we'll the do a, no 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 what do we call what do we call the where we pick riders? We'll do one of those again. Oh yeah, the fantasy games. <laughs> yeah, a, sweep, we'll, a sweeps a sweep sweep steak. Steak. sweep That must be a British. Oh, you mean, yeah, you, Is that like a skirt yeah, steak? Is it meat? Yeah. <laughs> we'll do uh we'll do some fantasy cycling for you guys will have tour. to coach yeah. you guys can coach me on who to pick yeah you can tell I mean, I tell everybody your secrets yeah i think that's uh that's where i won uh won drew over in the pro right. cycling channel he's like i was every every I morning picked, up at the uh, lake during the tour i wake up ah, the infamous lake. Like my, my saga of suffering hey, yeah give us your uh give us your your website so All people right. can go read the blog Oh yeah, I can't imagine we've all the way too. through this and I've not dropped the name of the actual <laughs> book. Uh, it's called the Sag. Yeah, it's called the uh, Saga of Suffering. Which again, I thought toying around with the name. It's ridiculously embarrassing, but like yeah. Saga, Sagan, Saga. Yeah, go on, then we'll go with that. <laughs> um, but yeah, www.sagaofsuffering.co.uk. I'll post a link in the, in the the notes. I so I know it well. Well, Neil. But no, Drew, I was talking about, sorry, go on. I was talking about um, when I picked um, Mark Storer oh, yeah. or Michael Storer in my well, a fantasy team. And he were, you were cha- your team were chasing after mine. You thought, yeah, I'm yeah. going to get you. Yeah, I'm going to get you. And he's stage. like, you swine. Who is this guy? Who picks this Who guy? You've never heard of this one. guy. And Neil's yeah. picked him. And then that was it. You pulled away from the rest of the group. It just was one rider. I was like, that's insane. He's well picked. Good, uh, good research. Well, Neil, I have to say once again, thanks for being the first British gentleman on the show, and uh, perhaps the last. We don't know. <laughs> Steve, I would say I hope I've, uh, I've 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 set the bar on uh, un- unattainable the... <laughs> by anybody else that comes after. Steve, Steve's going to be happy. I know, it's going to be Marvel reference, which will probably turn it off, it. and he'll never know. We're save it for the next one. A... In the, in the altered words of your stepson, <laughs> your bar is adequate. 
That, that is, that is He's going to call me anyway. <laughs> well, until next week, uh, we'll see you guys then. Yep. But have a good week. See yeah. ya. Thank you, guys. Anytime. Thank you for having me on. Suck it, Miller. <laughs> <laughs>